I'm extremely excited and thankful to be with you guys this morning. Um, I'm sure most of you guys watched the game last night. Um, it, was a, it was a tough loss, um, but hopefully we can get through it this morning. <laughs> um, but uh, just a little bit about me, so you guys just don't think I'm a total stranger. Um, I kind of had some fun facts about me um, that I put together. Um, one is I have two sisters. Uh, one's a senior here at Auburn. Um, her name's Katie Clark. That's kind of the better way of being known nowadays, accor- uh, accordingly, I guess. Um, another thing is I've got kind of a hot, hot take, which wasn't as hot. Uh, it's not as hot this morning as it was when I wrote it. Uh, I think Bo Nix is actually a pretty good quarterback. Um, after last night, apparently, uh, that's not as hot take anymore because um, TJ didn't do too hot. Um, uh, what's another thing? Um, oh, another fun fact is I don't really like my birthday. Um, I actually on Facebook changed my birthday months out so that when you look at it, it doesn't show up. And so then when my birthday passes about a month later, I change it back um, so that no one knows it was my birthday. Um, so yeah, um, I'm, I'm a grad student here at Auburn. Um, I'm studying civil engineering. Um, and so I guess I'm kind of a nerd and liking school. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a little bit about me. Um, my, I'm also engaged to my fiance in the back, who's way out of my league. So for all you guys, there's a lot of hope out there for y'all. Um, so yeah, but our passage today is Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 43. Um, and so if you guys want to go ahead and take out your copy of God's word, we're going to go ahead and, and read it. Cool. So Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 43. Um, let's read together. Um, verse 24, he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. The servants, the master of the house came and said to a master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then, do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in the gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Verse 34, all these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I'll utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Then he left the crowds and went to the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels, just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire. So will it be at the end of the age, the Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. 
In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will sign like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much um, for today. Lord, thank you for this past week of a break from school and work, and hopefully being around family. And Lord, being thankful for all the things that you have provided us, um, looking back on your faithfulness. And Lord, even in the heartbreak of this morning after the game last night, Lord, we, we just pray, Lord, that we would find rest today, um, Lord, that we would hear your word proclaimed, Lord, that it would be your words, not mine. And Lord, that ultimately we would leave here more in love with you than when we walked in. Um, Lord, thank you uh, for this time and pray that it would be an encouragement to all. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Um, so today um, I have four points, I guess, to this. Um, so I guess my message, and they're super creative. Uh, the first point is the parable of the weeds. Um, the second is the parable of the mustard seed. The third is the parable of the leaven. And the fourth is the purpose of the parables. Uh, my outline, when I was like looking at it, it kind of just made sense. But it kind of felt like two truths and a lie. But, but instead of two truths and a lie, it's like three parables and a reason why. <laughs> um, and so I thought that was kind of funny. So yeah, we'll, we'll roll with it. Um, and, but, but before we kind of like hop into the points, um, I, I haven't been here with you guys to kind of hear what Aaron's been teaching y'all. I know it's been like really good stuff, um, but I'm just a big believer in setting the setting, right? Like, like if we don't understand the setting, like it's not necessarily a bad thing, but, but when we don't fully understand it, we lose depth and meaning, right? And we don't fully understand, like kind of when we look at a passage, we kind of lose the true meaning and the depth of what it could really mean, right? Um, and so to kind of like set the setting, um, essentially like what, what Jesus is, is, is talking about here, like, like we just kind of get where Jesus is teaching three parables, explains why he's speaking in parables, and then uh, explains one of the parables he just taught. Um, but essentially like the scene that Jesus is in starts in Matthew 11 verse one. Um, and, and it says this in Matthew 11 verse one, when Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. So we see that Matthew is clearly like showing that Jesus is moving from one place to another. Right. And then he, he if, if you keep on reading, he like after each little point, it says like Matthew 11 verse 20, then he began. And then at that time, at that time, Jesus aware of this in Matthew 12, verse, Matthew 12, verse 15, Matthew 12, verse 22, then a demon impressed. And he kept on saying like, then, then, then. There's still no shift from the setting. So why is this important? Well, in this setting that Matthew has called us to where Jesus is here now, and it isn't until Matthew 14, 1, when he officially leaves and it kind of changes the setting back to Herod, the, Herod, um, it kind of shifts our view away of what Jesus is kind of saying in the bulk of these chapters. And essentially in the bulk of these chapters, he's, he's describing his relationship, Jesus is, to his people, his kingdom, and the world, right? So when Jesus, throughout all of his parables in Matthew 11, 12, and 13, he's essentially talking about, man, how does he relate to his people, to his kingdom, and to the world? So when we read about the parable of the sower, when we read about the parable of the mustard seed, when we read about the parable of the leaven, I mean, it's in the framework that Jesus is talking about his people, his kingdom, and his world. 
And again, like, don't take my word for it. Like, like go back and read, right? Like, here's just a couple of examples of like, where like, G, like Matthew did not change the setting, right? In Matthew 11, we see that Matthew introduces it. And then at literally each sub point, right? Like Matthew 11, 20, then he began. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty five. 25, at that time, Matthew 12, 1, at that time, Jesus went through. Matthew eleven nine. he went on from there and entered the synagogue. Like there's still no change until we get to Matthew 14, 1. So we can know and trust that Jesus is talking about his people, his kingdom, and his relationship to the world. Um, and so with that being said, let's, let's go ahead and kind of jump into that first point of the parable of the weeds um, in verses 24 uh, through 30. And also Jesus explaining it in verses 36 through 43. Um, so like the bulk of this, this passage is kind of on this. I'm going to spend a lot of time there, I guess. Um, but let's, let, I'm just going to go ahead and reread Matthew uh, 13 verses 24 through 30 real quick. Uh, he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in this field. But while his man were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, the weeds appeared also. The servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want to go and gather, want us to go and gather them? They said, No, lest in the gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. And, and so there's, as, as Aaron talked about last week, he talking about the parable of the sower, there's kind of a lot of similarities. And I kind of want to like differentiate between the two of them um, because it kind of makes more sense, right? Like, like last week, Aaron talked about the parable of the sower, about how, man, like, like when we hear the gospel, we have, we have different responses to have right? Um, and so just a couple of distinctions was in, in verse 19, and when it talks about clearly the gospel, we hear the word of the kingdom, or suppose in, in verse 38, Jesus explains that the good seed is the sons of the kingdom, right? So the seed in, in the parable of the sower is the gospel, but in the parable of um, the weeds, it's clearly talking about us, right? The difference is the gospel is being talked about, and we're being talked about in this one, two completely different things, even though they kind of sound similar. Um, and then when it's talking about like the different types of things to be planted in, in verse 19, it talks about being sown in the path, verse 20, being sown in the rocky, rocky ground, and verse 22, sown among the thorns, right? Talking about the different types of responses we can have, being sown in the path that the enemy comes and takes away our joy. Verse 20, being sown in the rocky ground, to where we, we are, we're choked up by life and then being planted in good soil where we bear fruit now, right? And then in verse 38, Jesus says that the seed that's planted in the field is the world, right? Verse 38, he says the field is the world. So again, we have responses in the sower and then we have the field being the whole world and the seeds being the people, right? So there's two distinct different things that, that Jesus is talking about. Um, and so in verse 24, Jesus clearly says, um, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. So we see Jesus talking about a man who planted seed in his field, which again, we, we know that, that the he that Jesus is talking about is himself, right? That he is the son of God, that he is the one that planted the seed and that he is the one that owns the field, right? But in verse 25, it says, but while his, man, his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. Um, 
And so, so we can see that when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God and talking about the field and the world, that there is someone else at work, right? That, that we, we see that Jesus owns the field. He has the field. He's the one that initially put in goodness and created the world and created plants first, right? He was the one that originally did that. But then we see that, that it wasn't that, that it, when the men were asleep, someone else came and planted something else, right? And that they planted weeds. And so it goes on in verse 26. So when uh, the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants, the master of the house came and said to a master, did you not sow good seeds in your field? How then does it have weeds? So we see that um, at a certain point, people began differentiating between the good seed, the wheat, and also the bad seed, the weeds. There's a, there a differentiation that occurred at some point. But initially, like there was no, like they couldn't tell, right? It took time for the people to realize that something was happening, right? Before everyone looked the same, all the plants looked the same. And it wasn't until um, eventually the wheat looked different than the weeds. Um, in verse 28, Jesus said, he said to them, an enemy has done this. Um, so the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in the gathering of the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in the bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barns. So we see when people, when, when the men, the, the angels essentially that Jesus is talking about realize that there's a differentiation between the weeds and the wheat. Jesus wasn't surprised by this, right? He knew this, who was. He clearly said, the enemy has done this. And we see later in, in, in the lower part of the section that the enemy was Satan, that he was the one that planted the wheat. So it was, Jesus wasn't surprised at all about how um, weeds got planted. He wasn't surprised at all that they eventually bore root. Um, and so we can know and trust now that, okay, so Jesus owned the field. He was the one that planted the good seeds. And he also knows what's going to happen. He also knew that the weeds would, would sprung up. Um, and I just also want to talk about like, like what is essentially do weeds do, right? Essentially weeds, they, they steal nutrients from other plants, right? And, and we know in John 10, 10, like the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So the fruit of the enemy is, is to steal what we have. Like he doesn't want us to hear the gospel. He doesn't want us to um, grow, essentially. He wants us to die and perish, right? But Jesus, knowing this, he, he knew that there's an enemy at work. Um, he told his workers to, no, don't, don't harvest them yet, right? He, he, he wanted his people to, to dwell with the weeds. How does that make sense, right? Like, like, why, like, why not sweep everything up? Well, Jesus tells us, like, if we are to judge everyone now, realizing that there are bad people and also good people, right? The, the ones that trust in Jesus and the ones that don't, the man, the, the good will be hurting also. And so as, as believers, like, like, how can we understand this? Right? How, how can we understand that when we see bad in the world, when we see people um, that aren't walking with Christ and, and that aren't, you know, the good seed? I mean, I mean, how can we understand this and Jesus not be responsible for the bad in the world? 
one of, one of the things that this reminds me of is kind of a story that happened when I was um, in middle school. So I had a bigger friend who uh, who went on to play as an offensive lineman at a college in, uh, when, when we all went to college. And he, he kind of like had this thing of eating, had this problem of eating other people's food without asking. Um, he was a really big guy. Uh, no one could really like pick on him because he was bigger than all of us. And so... Um, and so he came over to my house and he's going through like my, like my pantry and eating all my food. And, and, and I remember in my fridge, uh, it had just been my sister's birthday about three weeks ago and there was some leftover cake in the fridge. Um, and, and my friend saw this and, you know, being a like bigger guy, he was like, oh yeah, like I'm going to eat this cake. And, and I see it, and I'm like, I'm kind of thinking, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's expo- like not good anymore, but I'm not going to say anything, right? And so he goes in, takes a cake, and he eats it, and probably about maybe like five hours later, he just starts puking everywhere. Like, <laughs> like it apparently was not good cake. And, and, I, and I was thinking like about this, I was like, was I at fault for not saying anything? <laughs> you know, like, like was, it, was it kind of my fault for not saying anything? Uh, and, and the conclusion I came to was, no. Like my friend went in and took my food and then ate it. And he kind of learned a lesson from it, right? Like he learned, hey, I shouldn't just eat anyone's food because I don't really know what it is. And it's also rude, right? Uh, and then so, and so I realized like it really wasn't like my fault that he did. It really was his fault, right? But But by now doing that, I can now be there for him and be like, hey, Tucker, like, don't eat this. It's expired. Um, <laughs> it's moldy. There's weird stuff growing on it. Um, and, and it's kind of a lot of how Christ works in our lives, right? He allows things to come in so that we might be able to learn from them, and be able to see his faithfulness and his goodness in it. Um, that's kind of what Jesus is kind of saying about this now, right? Like, like we are to have trust that even though we might see people that don't believe in, in Christ and, and, and are people like us, we can have trust that one day we will be redeemed. One day that there will be judgment for the wrong and the evilness that's going on, right? Like Jesus says it himself in verse 41. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 33, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let them hear, right? Like that, that's our ultimate hope, right? That's what Jesus is essentially saying in this parable is that even though that there are two different people in the world, right? Two different kinds of seeds, weeds and wheat, right? Good seed and bad seed, which we know that there's good and bad. There's good people that, that we know like trust in Christ is what Jesus is saying. And also bad people who, who have rebelled against Christ and don't and aren't believing in him. And what he's saying is he's giving us as believers hope that there is a judgment coming and that evil will be punished, right? That's the hope that we now have as believers, that we aren't the ones that are doing the harvesting ourselves. We aren't the ones that are doing the judgment ourselves. Jesus is. So then that moves into our second parable with the mustard seed in verse 31. Um, And it says this in verse 31, he put another parable for them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. Verse 32 is the smallest of all seeds. 
But when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants. It becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Um, so we see that right after Jesus talking about, you know, weeds, essentially, right? Like, like I'm sure, like, as, as we know, like, weeds steal these things and, and are essentially meant to stop the growth of other things, right? It's, it's, no, it's no irony or no coincidence that the next parable that, that Jesus says is about the mustard seed, right? And, and essentially what, what this parable shows is that Jesus is promising us growth, right? Uh, if you were to look on your phone right now and Google what is the smallest seed, the mustard seed would not actually be it, right? Even though Jesus says it's the smallest seed, it's actually not the, the actual smallest seed. Did Jesus not know this? No, of course he knew this. <laughs> he knows his, I don't know what you call it, horticulture or farming? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, and, and if you were to look up the biggest fruit, a mustard tree would not be the biggest fruit that a seed produces. So, so what is Jesus actually trying to say in this? What he's saying is that the growth of the kingdom, the growth of, of us as believers is exponential. And he's promising that. When we, are, when we are planted and when Jesus is our Lord, man, we go from something that is very small and we become something that is very big and great. That is a promise that Jesus gives us, right? That, that when we are in Christ, we grow. So after Jesus has talked about how we will live among weeds, that they will, they will, seep, they will seek to, to take away our joy and our happiness and our trust in Christ. And the next thing he says is like, but you will, you will grow despite of this, right? That you will grow despite being among weeds. Um, and, and that's essentially what he says, is, is, right? Is the kingdom of heaven is like a grandma's tree that a man took and so in his field it is the smallest of all the seed, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants. So we go from something small to something great. Um, and, the, and the second promise of this, if, if you're not too careful, you can miss it, is that when we grow, we, we're now able to give support to other things, right? At the end of verse 32, it says this, um, it becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches, right? We might start as something small and insignificant, something that um, can't really do anything on its own, but when we grow after time, and we can give support to other things, right? We can give support to the world. We can give support to our neighbors that are hurting. We can give support to family members that are lost. Um, and that's, the, that's the promise that Jesus gives us, right? And it's only through him that we can grow. Psalm 1 um, describes us like this, that, that he, the blessed man, the righteous man, the one who is trusting in Christ is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers, right? Like we, we don't prosper in the world's eyes, but we prosper in the sense that we grow, right? The weeds don't affect us. We realize it, we're right beside them, but they don't affect our growth. We grow despite of them and only because of Christ. Mm, that's good. So we see that the mustard seed um, gives us the promise of growth and then in the third parable we see, which in my opinion is the more kind of impactful one, is the parable of the leaven. It's only one verse, very short, but I think this is kind of, um, in my opinion, the, the most important one of them all. He says, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid, hid, hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. 
I don't know about you guys. I have no idea what leaven meant <laughs> until I Googled it. Um, I thought it was just something you did to make bread taste good. Uh, essentially, leaven is what makes bread fluffy, right? Like, you no, know, bread's kind of like fluffy unless you have, I guess, bad bread. Uh, it's, it, so like flour, you can make pancakes with it, which are kind of dense. Or you can make a loaf of bread, which is fluffy. It's, t- it's light, tastes good. Um, and that's what leaven does. Um, I'm not a baker or anything, so I don't really understand how this all works, but essentially just throw this in there and it makes it fluffy. I don't know. <laughs> and so when Jesus says like the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, right? The, the flour changes. It no longer is the original flour that you initially got. It changes into something else completely different. And so what does that mean? Well, Jesus is saying that the kingdom of heaven is transformative. We transform into something different than when, what we once were. And what is that? Well, the realization of our sin is different, right? So in Romans 3.23, it tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The scripture tells us that me, you, your mom, your dad, your teacher, your friend, your neighbor, so-and-so across the world, all have sinned, right? But a lot of times, like, I didn't really know what that meant growing up. Like, what does it mean that we have all sinned? Romans 6.23 tells us, for the wages of sin are death, right? A wage is something that we deserve. Some of you older guys in here might be working. Um, That's great if you are because you get money. (laughs) Money is a good thing. You can buy fun stuff with it. (laughs) Um, And so say, for example, uh, you make $10 an hour, right? Uh, And you work 10 hours at your job. How much money do you get? A hundred before taxes. <laughs> uh, uh, and so you get, a, you, get a, you get what you deserve, right? Like, like I work 10 hours, so I get a hundred dollars. If you didn't know that, I'd brush up on your math. Real easy math. Um, you add 10, 10 times. Um, but, but essentially, like when I work, I get this, right? And so what scripture is telling us, when we are human and we live, we get death, <laughs> Right? Like, like, like we get paid in death. So essentially we have to pay for that. We have to pay for our sin. We have to pay for death. And that's a bad thing, right? Because that means we are all, all going to die, right? All have fallen short, all have sinned, and all of us deserve death. But the good news about this is Romans 5, 8, but God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So essentially what, what scripture is telling us is that either we can pay for our sin or we can let Jesus, right? Either we pay for our sin because that's what we deserve, or we allowed Jesus to pay for it because he's the one that died for us. He already paid it for us. That's the difference. And so, and so what does this mean for us now, right? Those that are believers, because again, Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is like this, meaning we are like this. It means that we no longer have to fear death when we are trusting in Jesus because he's paid that penalty, Right? We're believing in Jesus. So now before God, we are as loved, holy, righteous, and redeemed as Jesus is because we are in Jesus. We're allowing him to pay for our death. And so now our life is no longer merely about us, right? Before we want to do what we want. But now when we are trusting Christ, man, man, Luke 9, 24 kind of sums us up best. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses life will save it. 
We're transformed by this reality when we enter the kingdom of God. We live for everyone besides ourselves, right? Not my life, but yours. That's what we're saying to the world. And the world is the weeds, remember? Again, this is all going back, going back to what Jesus was saying originally. Mm. So to summarize all of it again, so, so these last two parables, so one, the mustard seed is the promise that Jesus will grow us, the kingdom of God, when we are in it, that we will grow despite of all the tribulation in the world, right? Despite all the people and the bad things around us. And the second in the parable 11 is that the gospel transforms us, right? When we realize that, man, we're no longer paying for our sin, but Jesus is. Man, we now live for everyone besides us. Mm. Um, and so now this kind of leads into the last point in the purpose of the parables. Um, so uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and, and read these last two verses real quick. Um, in verse 34, it says, all these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Um, so we see that Jesus is explaining why, or Matthew is rather, right? Because again, all these things Jesus said to the crowds and he said nothing to them without a parable. I mean, this is, G, this is Matthew, the one who wrote it, his kind of commentary on why Jesus did these things. I know Aaron last week talked about another reason why Jesus spoke in parables, um, but there's many different reasons, but they, and they all kind of tie together. But this one is essentially sharing about how, this is how God chose to reveal his mighty works and his faithfulness to his people. The last little part, I'll open my mouth in parables. I'll utter what is hidden, been hidden since the foundation of the world. It's referencing an old Psalm in Psalm 78. And if you guys are quick flippers, go ahead and turn there real quick because um, it is good. Um, so in Psalm 78, um, this is the Psalm that Matthew references, right? It's kind of an interesting Psalm of like, why would you reference this one? Like, out of all the Psalms, like you pick this one specifically. And in the first four verses of this Psalm, um, it says this, it says, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. So we see in these first four verses, the psalmist saying, we will tell of the Lord's faithfulness. We will tell of his mighty works. So after hearing about, man, weeds being planted, we are among them. Hearing about we are promised to grow. Hearing how, man, Christ transforms us. And now hearing about the reason why he told us all these things is to display and to remind us of the faithfulness and the mighty works of God, right? I don't know if you guys have ever heard it put this way, but scripture is essentially a story. Something of how God loved the unlovable, right? And how ultimately we will become like him and reign with them for eternity because of his son, Jesus. That's essentially what, what, what the parables are saying. Like it is just telling the story of the greater story. And so when Matthew ends with this, he's essentially calling us to respond to this, right? Where's your place in this story? 
Jesus is telling these stories so that we might be able to see and know him and see these wonderful works and his faithfulness and his people. So how are we to respond? We respond in faith and everything. Um, Because when we respond in faith, we are trusting that Jesus is Lord over all. He is faithful and that he will grow us, transform us, and he will bring the ultimate judgment. That the end goal in verse 43, we might shine like the sun, the sun being Jesus. Mm. Um, Yeah, yeah. So let's pray, let's pray.